0: Hello, I'm Jonathan Moyes, Head of Investment Research at Wealth Club, and today I'm with Richard Power of Octopus Investments to talk about the Octopus AIM inheritance tax service. Hello, Richard. Good morning, Jonathan. uh, firstly, I wonder if you could tell us about Octopus Investments and your own experience.
1: Yeah, no, I, I joined Octopus, gosh, coming on to 19 years ago now. It's uh, flown by. Um, Octopus uh, um, quoted, who I work for, yep. um, invest predominantly in small and mid-cap size businesses. And what we do is look for companies with quite a, uh, a long growth runway ahead of them that we think can become much larger um, Uh, more relevant companies in the world and take that long-term investment approach with those um, investments, which lends itself very well to BPR investors who are taking that similarly long time horizon as well. Um, So we launched the Octopus Aim Inheritance Tax Service back in 2005. So that's been running for over 17 years now. And we've been running it along the same approach since we launched it um, all those years ago.
0: It's quite a substantial team, there as well, and the assets you manage.
1: It is, yes. We've got ten investment professionals on the Octopus quoted team, uh, focused in this area, um, and we run approximately two billion of, of funds under management, which makes us one of the largest investors across um, the FTSE's Alternative Investment Market, or AIM, as it's better known.
0: Mm. Yeah. Uh, so we're here today to talk about the AIM IHT service. What does it aim to do for investors?
1: Uh, it's got two core objectives. One is to provide a uh, capital growth for underlying investors through a portfolio of, of twenty-five to thirty. Um, progressive grow, growing companies. And a second objective is um, to provide business property relief, which is an inheritance tax relief, which was extended to AIM companies at the t- time it was launched back in, in 1995, um, with the intention to provide that long-term capital for these, these high-growth companies, which are just so important to UK GDP growth.
0: So, what types of companies are you looking to back specifically what 's their sort of key characteristics
1: yeah we 're looking for firstly we 're looking for companies that are established um, profitable, um, paying a dividend, have a strong capital structure. Um, in order to, to, to try and help minimise the risk and volatility of the underlying holdings. these Our clients have built up their wealth over their lifetime and we want to try and manage the volatility and risk of those investments and ensure that we put got strong underlying uh, liquidity in those investments. The very smallest companies on AIM can suffer from greater liquidity constraints. So, we remove um, that concern from the portfolio as well. And then we're looking for other characteristics that are going to suit that long-term investment approach. So, uh, things like high levels of of recurring revenue companies with very strong long order books going out many years they are likely to be able to grow more reliably than companies that have to rebuild that order book at the start of each year as well so um, so those are the sort of characteristics we look for which tends to lend um, us towards um, business services um, software and computer services healthcare pharmaceutical type companies that have those kind of characteristics and we tend to be underweight consumer as a result of that
0: so, other than the smallest companies on AIM, are there any other companies that you look to avoid?
1: Uh, yes. Well, the business property relief uh, legislation um, means that we do avoid some sectors. Uh, property does not qualify for the tax reliefs, um, and sectors like mining and oil and gas, where there are exploration assets involved, that, that uh, they're deemed to be property assets by HMRC in this context. So, no mining, no oil and gas, no mm-hmm. investment companies, um, and no property. And and then we're just looking for companies that have a reliable growth trajectory and and can deliver on expectations. So um, we've got to back businesses with a management team who have a very clear idea of what the growth runway is is in front of them and how they're going to execute that over the next five or six years.
0: So do you have any examples of companies in the portfolio? That you can yes,
1: that? I mean, some, some have been in, or a number have been in well over 10 years now, because they have just reliably delivered that growth for underlying investors. So um, one that's been in since 2005, since the start, is RWS Holdings. Um, it's not a household name, but it's grown to be a true global leader in its field. Its, its, its core offering when we first invested was as a translation business, translating technical patents for global technology, pharmaceutical, industrial companies. It's built that global leading position. It's broadened out its, its offering to localization services and wider translation services. And it's gone a biz, uh, from a business delivering around 5 million profits to a business delivering this year over 135 million pound profits over the time of our ownership and that 's what that, that long term co ownership of these businesses on that growth trajectory is how we believe you really deliver the the underlying value to investors rather than trading in and out of of stock ideas
0: mm-hmm. Any other examples uh,
1: and a similar profile is a company called um, uh, Keyword Studios. Mm-hmm. They're a service provider to the video gaming industry. Um, the very large um, studios that produce these games became very large and cumbersome and Keywords have, have, have grown as there's been more of a trend to outsource certain services to to the industry. Um, and again, they've gone from a sub-hundred million pound business to to a valuation of towards two billion over the, over the time we've owned the shares. Um, and there's Great growth, um, structural growth dynamic in the sector they're operating in. So they're growing organically in excess of 20% at the moment. So again, it's services like engineering, artwork, localization and translation again, um, and a lot of the testing work that used to all be done in-house by the studios and now is increasingly outsourced.
0: Any more examples, i
1: Yes, I mean, those are two good examples of very international businesses that are uh, predominantly overseas. Um, There are also some companies that have the characteristics we're looking for that are purely domestic. A good example is Renew Holdings. Again, it's been in the portfolio for over a decade. And they provide essential maintenance uh, to, to key infrastructure. In the UK. So it's nuclear, it's rail, it's highways, it's flood alleviation, and it's lots and lots and lots of little maintenance jobs where they're on the frameworks um, to, to deliver that work. And they, again, uh, order books that go out goes out many years, and a very reliable growth profile it's, has been delivered over the last 10 years for us. So again, it meets the characteristics and the objectives of the underlying investors.
0: So changing topics slightly. Uh, in 2022, AIMs had more of a challenging year, yeah, absolutely, particularly for growth and, and large cap growth, um, which is where you invest. How's that been affecting your portfolio?
1: It's been a very difficult year for our underlying investors. They they don't they don't imagine the, the sort of pullback in the market and the sort of volatility we have experienced this year. So we've had to we've had to work very hard in order to communicate what is actually under uh, happening underneath the surface of, of the stock market move, um, because what you see in these market cycles is the underlying companies are continuing to grow on the trajectory we expect them to do, and therefore they are delivering that underlying value that that, that creating the value for the underlying investor. However, we've seen the market derate these companies. So we've got the, the earnings profile continue to grow and share price going the other way. And so you've got this store of value that is opening up. Um, we saw exactly the same pattern during the financial crisis. And what we'll see, once sentiment improves, we'll get the benefit of the continued growth and then the slingshot as as the market rating normalises again. So we're spending a lot of time at the moment explaining that to our underlying customers and showing the charts of what's happened, the derating and, and the um, the, the, the split from the share price to the underlying earnings that's gone on at the moment. So we're, we're pleased with the underlying portfolio, how that is performing. So we've, we're very confident that we'll see um, share prices recover in due course.
0: Are you seeing any signs of distress when companies are reporting earnings? Uh, yeah, we <coughs> read in these redundancies... Uh being talked about within technology sector. Are you seeing any of that at all within your portfolio?
1: In certain sectors, we've seen quite a lot of it. Um, certainly consumer-facing sectors, retail particularly, has had a very difficult yeah. year. Um, you've got to remember, um, stock markets are forward-looking. And so there's been a circa 30% correction across the, the AIM market in 2022. Um, and it's actually pricing in probably about a 15-20% earnings downgrade from where we are today. Um, if you look at previous cycles, the market tends to bottom about four months, four or five months before actually the earnings start to bottom. So, that's the forward-looking lo- element of, of markets. Um, so, you know, we think now's a good entry point. We think they're priced in probably worse than to come. We're still seeing earnings upgrades across a lot of our portfolio holdings. The reason for that is they went into this downturn with very conservative numbers in, in, the, in, in the um uh, in analyst forecasts, and the reason for that is they 've just come through the covid pandemic lockdowns there was still a lot of financial uncertainty around future lockdowns and so they put um, very conservative forecasts in the market and that 's why we haven 't seen the level of downgrades perhaps the market has had expected yeah. um, so you know with where, where the market is pricing good quality growth companies with strong balance sheets cash to invest uh, we think that uh, now now is a very good entry point for
0: investors. Has the environment changed the way you invest at all? Or you it at it
1: hasn't, part? no. We take that long-term view. If we've got a high-quality, global leading business in a structural growth market, strong balance sheet. Now, what we've seen is a lot of these ratings halve. You know, these companies would have been trading between 20 and 25 times earnings and now now trading on 12, 13 times earnings. And that's why I'm making the point about it being a great entry point because we, they will normalise back towards 20 times in due course and they're continuing to deliver that growth for investors. And so, no, absolutely, very committed to our approach, um, and really, our job is to communicate with to investors so they understand that there isn't, uh, this isn't a function of the businesses themselves failing. This is actually just a market cycle, and therefore an opportunity.
0: What's the biggest challenge you're facing at the moment?
1: Um, I think that communication point, we, we will write an update on all of the the companies in the portfolio every quarter. Um, so it's there for clients to read. And we, we do emphasise that these, co- these companies are continuing to grow in line with our expectations or in some cases exceed expectations. Um, we worry about um, uh, executive fatigue as much as anything. It's been a really tough three years for executives. They had to navigate through um, Brexit. They then ran into the Covid Pandemic. Um, Then we saw the supply chain um, disruption that that followed from that. Um, We've seen the inflationary pressures that they've had to manage their business through this year, and that's been challenging. Um, So it's been a it's been a tough period for the executives themselves. So you know we we want to make sure they feel supported and appreciated for the hard work they're putting in, Um, because actually on on the, the share prices are not reflecting. That effort and, and the success that they've been delivering at all. So, as we're, we're working very hard to make sure that they feel appreciated uh, and their employees feel appreciated as well. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: but I, I guess there are times when you shouldn't stick with a management team. Um, and it's yeah, sometimes it, it, it's time to sell a stock. Uh, yeah, when do you look to sell a stock? How, how are you? How do you look to sell a stock?
1: Yeah, if the investment case has has deteriorated and no longer s- stacks up, then yeah, absolutely we'll will sell and move on. Um, we tend to be quite patient with our investors if they hit a bump in the road. Um, if we can see a pathway through to getting back on track, then we'll we'll stick with those um, management teams in order to, to deliver that. Because often on a first bit of, of good of, of difficult news or headwinds, the market can overreact quite substantially. Um, a good example was that, of that was a CVS Group, which is yeah. the biggest, one of the biggest chains of veterinary surgeries in the UK. And if you go back to, I think it was 2019, um, there were quite a lot of industry headwinds with um, uh, a shortage of veter- vets um, uh, in the market. And so they were seeing uh, quite a lot of uh, wage inflation in that area and like-for-like like, um, numbers were struggling. And the share price reacted very poorly, it was down about 60-70%. Now, we fundamentally believed in the industry they were operating, that the the board were were going to be able to manage through this with better rostering and and, um, management of the estate. Um, and they ultimately did. And, and actually, then they got a boost from Covid and an increase in pet ownership, which helped them. But, you know, the share price had gone from £14 down to about £4 and then before getting up over £20. So sometimes it's important to be patient while companies manage through some headwinds. Um, it always, doesn't always work out like that. Sometimes uh, it, there's more fundamental problems in that maybe the competitive landscape has shifted. And the important thing is spending as much time with the, those companies at that, during that period to assess whether we ought to sell or um, mm-hmm. stick with the business and, and uh, be patient.
0: Is it more challenging for you, given your size, to sell a stock? Uh, no, we, to...
1: well, it's, it's, um, yeah, we, we'll often have uh, meaningful holding, but it, you can still exit if, if need be. Um, I mean, as far as the turnover in the portfolio, what we tend to do is is reduce holdings in portfolios where a stock has done particularly well and it's become 7-8% of a portfolio. It's straightforward um, risk management to reduce that holding. Um, We've had at least one bid approach a year. Um, Every year we've been managing this portfolio. So the last one we had was Emis Group, which is a uh, healthcare software business that was um, bought out by a a U.S. company. Um, so that creates a, a degree of turnover as well, or we'll, we'll sell something and move on if we think that the, the conditions have become have deteriorated and become too challenging. And, and we sold jewels earlier this year. It was the one retailer we had in the portfolio, and it's been such a challenging backdrop yeah. for that industry, uh, we decided to, to sell those shares and
0: move on. So how risky is investing in AIM? I think we've had this situation in 2022 where some of the largest holdings in AIM have Fallen the most.
1: Yes, they have, and that's the derating that we talked about earlier. But also, um, some of those very large companies um, on AIM were in sectors that have, have found um, the conditions the most challenging. It's been yeah. incredibly difficult for retailers, and I suppose the poster, uh, the poster stocks on AIM at the start of this year were the ASOS and Boohoo, um, which have had challenging. Uh, market conditions. Um, investing in the stock market is inherently risky and, and of course the regulator highlights that the smaller companies is a, a high risk. We, we try and manage that risk as I, as I mentioned by tr- looking to reduce the volatility by the characteristics of companies we invest in, the fact that they're the more established, larger, more liquid companies on aim, um, the fact that they uh, have strong balance sheets. I think it's 70% of the companies across our portfolio have net cash and no debt on the, on the balance sheet at all. So, we We look to minimize the risk for our underlying investors
0: so to sum up then Richards uh, for those that want to invest in an a portfolio this year why should they invest in the octopus investments a portfolio
1: well as I mentioned before we think you know now's a good entry point looking at ratings where they've they've got to I'm, clients will be taking that long-term view with, with these in investments, that five-year-plus view. Um, so so um, I've made that point already. Um, Octopus has a, a big team in this area and is the market leader in, in this area as well. So we've got 10 investment professionals focused on these portfolios. Um, and, but you know, people must invest in who they feel comfortable with and who they feel they, they've got a rapport with and they can understand the strategy and what we're trying to achieve. That's the most important thing because people should enjoy their investments, not, not,
0: not ever worry about them. Richard Power of Octopus Investments, thank you very much. Thank you. If you are watching on YouTube, please press like and subscribe to the channel for more.